from Romans chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we, will, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Give me cheese. 
Let's pray. Gracious Father, we do give you thanks for this time and this moment. Thank you for the privilege to stand in this pulpit to proclaim your word. Pray now that you would bless. Pray that you have been pleased with our praise of you this morning. Our worship of you, our hands lifted, our voices raised, our prayers prayed, our confessions made. I trust that they have given you pleasure. We have given what we have. Now I ask that you speak to us, that we might leave here differently than when we came in the door. I thank you for what has transpired. I thank you in advance for what you are about to do. Use your servant, pray there be no hindrance of your word through your servant to your people. It's in Christ's name I pray and ask it all. The church said amen. amen. Good morning. morning. It's great to be here with you. Uh, I want to thank uh, your pastor, Mark Davis, who is, whom I love tremendously uh, for the opportunity that we have to swap pulpits this morning. Um, he is sharing with our church at the 1015 hour, and I have the privilege to stand here with you this morning uh, to share. This is, the, this is not my first time here, and so uh, whatever I say is your fault this morning, because <laughs> you had me back. I want to read that word again that the the seniors read. I want to add a couple of verses to it. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We'll talk for a few moments. My one, one way is short, so I have, I have a longer runway at the Golden Gate Church. Um, about a preg pregnant with hope, right. pregnant with hope. Yeah. I stand here this morning because of a relationship, not by my intellect or background, nor by my preaching power. I stand here today because of relationships extended and offered, relationships with close, both close and distant, Relationships, both personal and more business-like. 
More than anything, though, I stand here because of a relationship with Jesus Christ that transcends any walls, any barrier, any difference of race and background, socioeconomic status, education, or the neighborhood from which I come. I stand here as a testimony of the truth. Ephesians 4, Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. For Christ himself brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of laws with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. This fact that in Christ we are as one is too often contradicted by the very real differences between this community and the community where I serve. Divisions of race, barriers of culture, differing political perspectives, challenging economic disparities, and so on. Indeed, these very real and strongly held differences and convictions keep us from experiencing the reality of our oneness in Jesus Christ our duty to a higher calling, our common commitment to the kingdom of God over the kingdom of man and mammon. And so we groan, as our text says today. We groan, we suffer inwardly. The pain and discomfort of our division and the displeasure that it places in our hearts. Why do we groan? Because those of us who have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, those of us who cry, Abba, Father, feel the brokenness of a divide. Those of us who were dead in our trespasses and sins, who are now raised with Christ and enlivened by the spirit of God, know better. We know the struggle to commune with someone with whom we can't seem to break through. Even in our most personal relationships, we experience the pain and the struggle for oneness between husband and wife, between parent and children. And so we groan. We groan because the Spirit of God in you desires to commune with the Spirit of God in me, to connect to experience together our common fears and hopes and dreams. We long to experience and to rejoice together, to cry together, to dream together. Because of our individual brokenness, though, we groan. Yet at the same time, as we groan, we are also pregnant. Paul describes both creation and those of us who have the first fruits of the Spirit as in the pains of childbirth. Yes, we groan, but we groan as a pregnant woman. For a pregnant woman, groan, groans are a sign of life. 
Our groans commune to commune with one another are signs of life of Christ in each of us. They are an indication of something deep within us that longs to be free, longs to be released from the bondage that we find ourselves in as believers in Christ. We groan because of the life of the spirit that exists and lives deep within us. We groan. I'm always concerned, though, where there is no groaning among professed Christians. If there is no groaning, does it come? If there is a groaning, though, does it come from the spirit within or from the flesh without? Too often the flesh speaketh. When we groan about the lack of freedom to express the gift of human sexuality any way we want it to. When we groan about tax cuts and, and, and diminished positions as of Christians in society. When we groan about place and position and power that no longer seem to be ours. We groan about equality in this dying, Satan-controlled world. When we groan, when I myself groan more about the very real prejudice and racism I experience, when I groan more for that than I do for the unity among believers as a testimony of who God has already made us. When you as whites groan over the loss of privilege, then I really wonder how much we are allowing the Holy Spirit of God to reign in our lives. Our focus is off. We groan over the temporary when God has planted the eternal in us. We are groaning over our alienation in this world when we should be groaning over God's alienation to this world. We groan. We groan. Yes, I am concerned when there is no groaning or when we groan over the wrong things. And so I groan. I groan for the church of Jesus Christ to be the church of Jesus Christ, where there are no barriers of race and economic disparity, where all the barriers are broken down and we fight not ourselves, but we fight to maintain the unity that has already been made in us through Jesus Christ. We fight to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in his fullness. Hear me. Those who groan come, those who groan from the depths of the spirit within are giving signs of life. We are and I am pregnant, pregnant with hope. This hope comes theologically from this text, from the fact that we who are in Jesus Christ have been given the first fruits of the spirit Old Testament believers knew about this. They were called to offer to God the first fruit of their harvest as a recognition that the entire harvest to come belonged to God and as an indication of their thanks to God for his provision. Believers in Christ have been given the Holy Spirit as a type of first fruit, as a type of a foretaste of God's blessings 
Those from Golden Gate know that I am a pound cake aficionado. I love pound cake. My mom would mix her pound cake, who mix her cake, and I know the recipe, three, 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 three cups of sugar and three cups of flour, a pound of butter. Some two tablespoons of vanilla and one tablespoon of lemon. She would mix that cake and, and, and when she had scraped everything out of the mixing bowl into the cake pan, she would then give me the spoon and the bowl to lick. Yeah. It was a foretaste oh. of what was to come. I got mad with him when she moved from a spoon to a spatula. Why? Because she could get more of the cake batter out with the spatula than she could with the spoon. It was a foretaste. A foretaste of what was to come an hour or so later. A foretaste. The oven was pregnant with the aroma of a cake soon to be eaten by me. I was pregnant with hope. As believers, we live in hope. We groan as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. There will come a day when our groans will turn into gladness and our sufferings will be overwhelmed by the glory that is yet to be revealed in us. We are, we, like creation, grown because of our frustration at being yet in bondage to this flesh that keeps us from interacting one with another. This bondage, this slavery to our own desires, while at the same time we know that we have already been set free in him. In many ways, we are like a bird locked in a cage with the door wide open. In other words, though we have been set free in Christ, we still struggle with our sin nature that still cries out to do what it wants to do. We struggled with our prejudices and our selfishness, our resentments and our dashed dreams and hopes. We struggle with our brokenness. And we yearn for the freedom that our new bodies, we will receive when we receive a new body, a resurrected body. And so now we hope, we hope with patience. Hope is a part of my DNA as an African-American. Reverend Nathan Baker says it well, an Episcopal bishop. He describes a part of our history well. He said, my ancestors were people plucked from their homes in the continent of Africa by other Africans and Arabs and Europeans. And they were sold to slave traders for the sake of a booming economy in the Americas, in the New World. They passed through the death of the Middle Passage and resurrected in a hell called American slavery. For 400 years, generation after generation, lived in a culture that used religion to reinforce their oppression and to give rationale to their inferior but essential status as the fuel for the economy. Yet, my ancestors, 
in the midst of such groaning, hoped. And yet even today, this is why we march. African-Americans have fought in every war and died. That's why we sit in. It is why we cry out that the struggle still continues. That's why black lives matter. They represent our groans. Yet we have remained pregnant with hope, hoping the founding documents of this nation that said that all persons are created equal. We are pregnant with hope in the God of the universe who yet believes that justice is still to reign. I know you may be uncomfortable with my words this morning, but they are true. True to my experience and true to many others. Our songs, especially the old Negro spirituals, speak to our everlasting hope. Look at African-Americans. Listen to our songs. The verses, the one you heard earlier, Give Me Jesus by our music director, Sister Jenkins. The verses she sang might not have been familiar to you. The first one is different than the one that Fernando Ortega has put out. I'm not, I have no problem with it. It's just different. It comes from a different experience. More than likely, you're more familiar with him. His starts with, in the morning when I rise. His, then he says, he says, when I am alone. And he ends it with, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Yeah. But on the other hand, my slave ancestors who wrote that song originally, they started with the verse, when I come to die. Then they say, then I heard my mother say, dark midnight was my cry. Give me Jesus. Pregnant with hope. They ended with in the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. In our culture today, we start the day assuming, presuming we are going to get up and start our day and be productive. And so we sing in the morning when I rise. For the slave, they started with the longing for freedom and they recognized that their freedom was more likely to come through their physical death. Death for a slave meant freedom from cruel and inhuman bondage. But it was not a death without hope. It was a pregnant hope. Theirs was a recognition that life was hard and arduous. And so the slave, the slave sings, dark midnight is my cry. Not when I am alone. It was when they would sing in the morning. It is then they would sing in the morning when I rise. Why? Because theirs was a resurrection hope a faith that the resurrection of Jesus Christ would be theirs as well. Their faith, though tested in fire, did not waver. My physical ancestors and our spiritual ancestors, they are, were pregnant with hope. 
In spite of the lies they heard from the preachers of the day who used the word of God to keep them in oppression, they knew their plight was not God-ordained. They were pregnant with hope. Your learning and our burning, your sense of the transcendent God and our need for the imminent God are necessary for our common experience together as believers in Christ, you need us and we need you. It is only together that we can even hope to express the glory of God in his fullness. The life created by our God is a mosaic. God's majesty is expressed in our diversity. The different colors of the rainbow is what makes us, or what makes us stop and look. But pregnancy leads to birth. Our groanings are a sign of life. Our groanings to connect with one another, to fellowship with one another, to love one another as Christ loved the church, to sacrifice one another, to meet each other where the other is, to understand one another. They are groanings of a sign of life. Our heartfelt heartfelt desires to be one will one day give birth to the glory that we cannot even yet conceive. I know it. How? Because the word of God says he has already broken down every barrier between us. How do I know? Because Jesus Christ groaned. He groaned on the cross, and he died. And even though he died, he got up. Death couldn't hold him. The grave could not keep him. The devil couldn't handle him. He got up with all power in his hands, as the black preacher would say. And thus I know there is no division, no barrier, no hardship. No ism can separate us from each other because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I prefer to King James, it says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, no powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.